welcome to Now Playing Podcast Street Fighter Retrospective Series. So you want to fight me? You came from across the world to fight me, soldier. Now is your chance. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. That's great news, General. Congratulations. Hosted by Arnie. Are you men enough to fight with me? Justin. Anyone who opposes me will be destroyed. And Stuart. I hear he's forced to be reckoned with. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. You don't want to take it to this dance, detective. But you've never even seen me dance. Listener discretion is advised. They will talk. Or they will die. Today we're discussing Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help me. Starring Kristen Crook, Chris Klein, Neil McDonough, Dime Store, Neil Patrick Harris, Robin Shaw, Moon Bloodgood, Josie Ho, Taboo, <laughs> and Michael Clark Duncan. Aww. <laughs> Tell me this wasn't his last performance. Oh, my God. <laughs> Directed by Andre Berkoviak. This is the now-playing co-host who will always try anything once, especially if it involves gold handcuffs, Arnie. Stuart. You can call me Nash. Okay, it's Justin. <laughs> You're not greasy enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. I just want to put it off the top of the show. I retract. What I said last week about it's gotta get better from Van Damme. <laughs> God damn! What the hell happened to this property? Alright, let's talk about where Street Fighter had gone in the intervening years. Because I spent hours watching it, I'm gonna spend five minutes talking about it. I already mentioned there was Street Fighter the Animated Series. Right. And annual updates to Street Fighter 2, right? There just mm. seemed to always be a new variation of new fighters, new backdrops. That It has remained popular despite Jean-Claude Van Damme's movie. This movie we're discussing today was actually timed to come out with Street Fighter 4. They came out within two weeks of each other. Okay. But there had been other movies in 1999... An anime film called Street Fighter Alpha came out. It was telling the story of Ryu and Ken. It was not related to any other Street Fighter. It was not related to that anime movie before. It was not related to anything, but it was followed up on in Street Fighter Alpha Generations. Street Fighter, The Ties That Bind. So there were several animes out there that you could watch. I watched them all. Whew, they're not good either not recommend across the board <laughs> the question really will be can street fighter ever produce anything good i liked its concepts better it was really dealing with when justin and i were playing street fighter 4 we were both like what is this character evil ryu why is there ryu and evil ryu yeah it's all explained in this anime that the power that ryu uses to fight and do his hajukens and things 
is something that can overtake him and it will turn him into Akuma, which explains what Akuma is, is it's a fighter that has been absorbed by the evil energy. Ah. Kind of like the dark side of the force. So Akuma all these years hasn't been a character so much as it's been somebody who's transformed? Yes. Ah. And it's hinted at it could be Ryu's real father who has been transformed into Akuma. And if Ryu gives into the power, he'll turn into an Akuma. So I like that challenge of it's man versus self as much as it is man versus man. I also like that they're only around 70 minutes apiece. Oof. <laughs> but I can't say I give a recommend to any of them. But it has existed in Japanimation, you know, none of this was made for the U.S. market, but it was dubbed and released here in the U.S. market. Right. And not theatrically, so thank God it falls to you and not me to watch any more of that. And then, as I mentioned last podcast, 2003, Van Damme was actively signed to a sequel. They were going to call it Street Fighter 2 for Universal. They had an actress named Holly Valance who was going to replace Kylie Minogue. How could they? They had Damien Chapa, they had Byron Mann, and they had Dolph Lundgren. I thought they might actually be able to get a hammer at this point. <laughs> Don't hurt him. <laughs> he hurt me. <laughs> in the end, they scrapped those plans in favor of a reboot that took six more years to come out. But finally, in 2009, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, and I saw ads for this movie... A, it came out in February. Never really a great time. Yeah. And it came out in 2009, and I looked at the trailers for this, and I'm like, wait a second. You're taking Lana Lang from Smallville and telling me she's an Asian? <laughs> it turns out I was I was really upset that they were whitewashing Chun-Li, and that's not usually my fight, but I was like, wait a second. But it turns out Kristen Crook is of Dutch descent, but her mother is of Chinese descent born in Indonesia, and her grandmother was Chinese Jamaican. So there's somewhere in there a little bit of Asian blood where they could say, yeah, she's good enough for Chun-Li. Right. Although the marketing, yeah, it's it's stunning when we see the little girl, Chun-Li, and then she's supposed to turn into this Kristen Crook. That's what you're calling her? Yeah, I, yeah, that... Yeah, no. That's not what I'm calling her. That's actually what her parents named her. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, her, that's her birth name. But I just feel weird calling anyone a crook, but <laughs> after this movie, I do feel robbed. <laughs> well, let's just start right off from the top. Street Fighter has a long roster of characters. Even from the get-go, we had a roster of 16 characters in that last movie. Eight of whom mattered, both in the movie and to me as a Street Fighter 2 player. Right, so even if we cut that, that down to eight, is Chun-Li going to be at the top of your list for being your lead character to follow through an adventure? I will say this. She's the most novel because she's the only female I remember. There were some, Arnie and I played, I think, an alpha game where there was another one in high heels. But she, I think, was early on, her defining power seemed to be that she was a woman among men. So that's always kind of interesting, right? She's the odd one out. She stands out in that respect. I don't know if I could tell a Ken from a Ryu from a Guile, but I knew who Chun-Li was. And I think that it makes sense if you're not going to go Ryu. And after the last movie, you're certainly not going to go Guile. But when I look at the roster from that movie, the fan favorites were really Ryu, Guile, 
and Chun-Li. Chun-Li was a powerful player with her kicks and her ability to jump mid-side screen and jump all around and then her little <laughs> laugh at when she'd win and flash in the peace sign. People loved Chun-Li. So when I looked at this film on paper, I really thought this is a good way to reboot. Get away completely from what you did before. Let's put Chun-Li right at the center. People love Chun-Li. I mean, even I, and I'm not a huge Street Fighter fan, even I have a Chun-Li statue in the house. So <laughs> I, I keep it with some X-Men for X-Men versus Street Fighter, which is a game, by the way. I really love that game. And they've done Marvel versus Capcom. But yes, there's Chun-Li makes perfect sense to me. Kristen Crook, I watched Smallville. I watched almost every episode. She was never a good actress. I'm surprised she's still working. I'm surprised they gave her a movie. I actually, on Smallville, thought maybe it's the way they wrote her role. Maybe they just wrote her as one note and always angry and always pensive and always upset. No, she's not a good actress. <laughs> But she's very cute. You gotta give that she's got the kind of adorable quality. If she could kick ass and then turn around and smile, that's all you really need to do. It's the dichotomy of being precious and fierce that you want to find in the actress that's going to inhabit this character. Yeah, she's great to be the next Noxzema girl, which she was. I just don't want to see her in a movie. <laughs> well, and also, if this franchise, Beyond the Video Games, has survived on anime for all these years... I think, at least looks-wise, this is a good call for bringing an anime feel to live action. She has that look of anime with the bigger eyes and the smaller pointy chin. I can see this working from that standpoint. And she is in her mid-twenties, and I looked this up, it doesn't actually, it's not a great belt, but she was a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is like the third level up. So she had done a little of it. You're not hiring her to do the stunts, though. You're hiring her to deliver a performance. Right. Action. Yeah, the last movie taught me a Street Fighter movie doesn't even need to have it. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, that may not even be relevant coming into this. I don't know that I would look for a martial artist first and foremost. I think you want an actress. And then, yeah, if she can do a few moves, you can cut to the stunt double. Uh, what concerns me is that this is coming from the same studio that did this exact same thing with Elektra. Yeah, I actually have a major Daredevil Electra vibe off of this to the point that I looked up on IMDb everybody. I looked up the location scouts. I looked up the effects people. I looked up the costume designers to figure out what it was other than Michael Clark Duncan that was giving me this vibe. But this movie has a look of cheapness and darkness that just, it felt like Ghost Rider. It felt like Daredevil. It just felt like Electra here in many, many ways. I mean, particularly Electra because that was a female superhero avenging her dead father and she fights a ridiculous outfit, the finger. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Kariji. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, it feels very similar in that respect. It was the hand. Oh, you, right. You just called it the finger. There we go. Because you wanted to give it the finger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stylistically, it's right there. You know, this almost looks like a weekly serial. Almost like an SVU type of feel from the filming standpoint. 
Oh, yeah, because we're going to have our own investigative cop, Chris Klein, trying to do his best David Caruso. <laughs> what is he doing here? I I have one affectionate memory of Chris Klein. He was very charming in election. He plays the doofus that decides he can run against Reese Witherspoon, and he's very good in that movie. And other than that, I don't really know this actor, and I don't know what he's been doing in the 10 years since American Pie. I've always wanted to root for Chris Klein because he is a hometown boy. He was plucked out of obscurity when Alexander Payne, another hometown hero from Omaha here, came into town to make election. So he was a nobody that tried out and Alexander Payne put him in a second leading role in this feature film. And he did just fine in that movie as kind of the affable, likable doofus. And he, he turned that into the same character in three movies in American Pie. But, I mean, beyond that, you know, does he have range? I don't know. He's played the same character in everything I've seen. This is the first time I'm watching Chris Klein get to act. And, whoo. Yeah. Alexander Payne, you might have want to left this one back in the big O. <laughs> so, who? this is not Alexander Payne behind the camera. It's, it's interesting to note that, no, Stephen D'Souza is not writing, is not directing this one. Probably a good choice. But the guy that they did get is a cinematographer known for action movies. Again, they're going with that idea. He lensed Speed, Lethal Weapon 4. You know, he had done some Jet Li movies at this point. Romeo Must Die. He should be able to deliver the fight. I liked Romeo Must Die. I liked Cradle to the Grave. But I've seen Doom. Now, I know we haven't reviewed it yet. But after Doom, I'm surprised they let this man back near an arcade, let alone to helm another <laughs> video game movie. God, why are <laughs> really? I, that's uh, that could be conceivably worse than this. It's on par. I can't even. <laughs> why are we doing this arcade? I'm unplugging this. You know what? I just got a scroll. A scroll showed up today and said I need to go be a homeless person in Thailand. So I'm just this is my last show. I'm just letting everyone know I quit. <laughs> You'd rather be homeless in Thailand. I do whatever the scroll tells me. The scroll shows up and I just do it. I could be a successful concert pianist dropping it all, but I do what the scroll tells me to do. You can't go turbo until we get to Wreck-It Ralph. Then you can bail. Okay, damn. Thank God Black Panther is next week. <laughs> I might make it back for that one. I do want to see that movie. But yeah, this is not the handiwork, again, of someone that I feel like is in great command of action or dialogue <laughs> or pacing <laughs> yeah storytelling in general <laughs> but let's get through it arnie tell them what this plot is and we will beat the shit out of legend of chung lee when chun lee was a little girl her father was abducted by the evil crime lord bison played by neil mcdonough now as an adult, Chun-Li is played by Kristen Crook and follows mysterious clues that take her to Bangkok, where Bison has kept her father prisoner low these many years. She was led there by Jen, not Jem, but Jen, leader of the Order of the Web, played by Mortal Kombat's Robin Shao. How dare you do both franchises, sir? <laughs> and he better be better in that one. That's all I gotta say. His wig is better. <laughs> yeah, well. Jen wants Chun-Li's help in bringing down Bison. Also working against Bison is Detective Maya Suni, played by Moon Bloodgood. Now, I challenge you to tell me which was the video game <laughs> character name and which was the actress name. Yeah, we've seen her before <laughs> in one of those Terminator sequels. I remember that name. 
And she's aided by Interpol agent Charlie Nash, played by Chris Klein. But they really don't do a whole lot of good in this movie. Nothing. They shoot a lot of guns and shout a lot. Mm. I'm not convinced that that whole cop narrative wasn't just added after they realized they didn't have enough of a movie here, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. These adversaries are hitting Bison at a vulnerable time as he's preparing to receive the White Rose, which it turns out is a code name for his daughter. <laughs> or his conscience. Is this Rogue One? <laughs> And Bison kills Chun-Li's father, who was kept around to Google stuff. <laughs> He's a good businessman. <laughs> Chun-Li. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> this, you can't even believe what this <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, this movie, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. All this trouble. He's so well connected. Good businessman. He knows everyone. Call someone. 911. Get me out of here. I'm at Shadowlow. <laughs> Do you not have a phone a friend? He's <laughs> sitting there with the internet. <laughs> it just, you know, I just, oof. No one notices. The most important man in the world, and he can just gone. <laughs> Chun Li and Interpol and Jen storm Bison's base and kill him and his useless bodyguard Balrog, played by Michael Clark Duncan. With Bison destroyed, Jen tries to recruit Chun Li to go find a fighter named Ryu, but Chun Li declines and decides to just stay home as credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> There's a hero I can get behind. No more. No more Street Fighter movies. Absolutely not. Do you want to go do one? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to Netflix and chill. <laughs> well, she wanted me, or at least she's supposed to be a pianist. He was a backstory that I never picked up. But introduced at the beginning of this movie is the idea that she was supposed to have, I guess, a normal upbringing of just being some talented pianist that her father could be proud of and instead because she decided to do Mushu or something in the backyard <laughs> I thought it was they bonded over Mushu it's <laughs> delicious but I do not understand how that makes you a fighter I looked it up it's actually Wushu which is a real martial art oh. it just sounded like she said Mushu yeah. and I'm like you're making me hungry <laughs> I mean they're good but they're not that good I bond over hoisin sauce all the time. It's great. <laughs> you know, I did catch a newspaper clipping during the movie that referred to her as a respected pianist. So it's not even that she's world-renowned or the best in Beijing or anything. It's just she's a respected pianist. Yeah, they have the superimposer audience <laughs> behind her. It was so bad. It wasn't even green screen. It was just a blurred out picture of an audience about five feet behind her. <laughs> exactly. And she's facing away from the conductor. He could be conducting an entirely different song. She has no clue. And she's going like Ray Charles, staring off in space. I don't know where those eyeballs are. And she's like going back and forth. I'm like, are you Stevie Wonder? Oh my, oh my. But her father's a businessman and yes. they moved around a lot as a kid. Or at least to one place. <laughs> they left San Francisco and they went to Hong Kong and that's where he's abducted. Now, I assume they actually went other places. My guess is they moved around 
because he's on the run from Bison and she doesn't know because she's too young. And so they just moved place to place, mansion to mansion. I mean, they live in a huge freaking house with an entire wait staff, but they move house to house and all around hiding from Bison until one night, Balrog, Michael Clark Duncan, who he's great in everything. He's great in this. He's affable. He's charismatic. I love Michael Clark Duncan in everything. He's good, and he breaks in and attacks the father. Now, I did double-check. The father's not in any video game, so this flaming hand chain move is not even in a game. I gotta just, I mean, his big move is he takes a wine bottle, blows the wine out of the wrong end. I don't even know how to the back end of it, splashes the guy, and then sets himself on fire to put the guy with, I, you'd be better being beaten with a chain. You just knocked wine out of the wrong end of a bottle and lit yourself with a candle? Good move. Then he follows that up by just throwing himself into my Clark Duncan's chest and doesn't move him an inch. <laughs> Can I just say, though, I'm really, really happy. We're five minutes into the film. We're getting a fight. Hey. <laughs> it's already better than last week. There's styrofoam pieces of door everywhere at this point. There is, yes. They push that kitchen table all around. <laughs> Once the father is subdued, here comes creepy Neil McDonough, and I can never look at him the same ever since the year this came out was our first ever bonus podcast for mm. I Know Who Killed Me yep. that would forever change my way of looking at this man. Yeah, I've seen him in good stuff. He was in Minority Report, and he's a very fit man. He's done some physical action stuff. Not really the requirement of this bison. He is the most Scottish Thai person I've ever seen. I, I want to point out that he is also now getting double platinum headphones for Star Trek First Contact. Okay, can't recall. Minority Report. Yep, sure. This movie and Red 2. Uh, if you say so. I mean, I know who killed me, uh, of course. Oh, yes. Triple platinum headphones. He's not being recognized for his turning role in Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that series yet. <laughs> We're waiting on the third. But in the commentary, the director was not there. But Neil McDonough was. Wait, the director was not on set? I can believe that, actually. <laughs> no, during the commentary. Oh, okay. But McDonough and the director came up with an entire backstory for this bison, who is nothing like bison from the game, nothing like bison from any anime I've ever seen. He never even wears a cape. I don't know why they called him Bison. <laughs> you might as well have called him Buffalo for as much as he resembles the character. Right. But here is the backstory that is somewhat in the movie, but spelled out by the actor in the commentary. Bison was Irish. Okay. His parents were missionaries. Got it. They came over to Bangkok. Yeah. They were killed. Got it. So Bison grew up on the streets of the Bangkok slums. Uh-huh. I want to point out he was an infant in the orphanage. Yes. <laughs> so he would have had no, never heard his parents. It would have had no, I guess genetically, they could have passed the brogue to him. <laughs> but otherwise should not sound like. There's more. Okay. We do see him in his early life of crime stealing a bucket of fish. <laughs> yes, I did love that scene. The voiceover <laughs> in particular, like, but he wanted more. Dare to dream. More than a bucket of fish? This guy is ruthless. <laughs> you want some coleslaw, some hush puppies? <laughs> a vinegar empire. <laughs> he, is, he 
is out of his damn mind. <laughs> so he became something in his world, stealing fish. <laughs> yeah, became a fisherman. Yeah, he went back to Ireland where he learned languages and went to school. He then moved back to Bangkok as his headquarters because he knew the underworld there, and with his money, he'd be able to take over Bangkok. Okay, he went to school on a scholarship, or he just sold fish illegally on the street? (laughs) He became an affluent criminal. He then went to Ireland and got schooling there. Okay, so we... All right, yeah, what's very confusing is when we see the backstory, there's only three scenes provided. It's baby in a crib being ignored, which I'm like, they're not feeding it. Like, how he lived, we do not know. Next thing, teenager stealing a bucket of fish from an old man in a boat... To getting married. (laughs) Yeah, they skipped this whole schooling in Ireland bit. Okay. Well, terrific. Neil McDonough is a creepy dude, and they didn't really need to give much backstory to have us understand instantly he's the bad guy. He's sneering at this little girl. And for reasons unknown, I guess he's just not that evil. He just doesn't kill her. He lets her live. What he says is... Because it's a line that's going to come back later. A gentleman would never harm a schoolgirl. Personally, I'm thinking of so many movies I've seen where it's like, you kill that child because that child's going to grow up with a vengeance and come back and kill you. Right. But he won't harm a schoolgirl. I think he's going to kill the father for whatever reason. But no, he's kidnapping the father. We never know exactly what the father does. But when we see him in the future, he's been locked in a high tech cell and told find me where these people live yes exactly <laughs> it is literally you're so smart you know everyone on the planet google this for me pull out your rolodex i don't even think it's like google pull out your rolodex and call them because you're so well connected i thought it was maybe he had a phone book and i want to point out call them so i can go kill their children yeah. but i didn't kill your child or take her captive or anything but the all right your google foo is amazing <laughs> and if you don't use your google foo for me i will kill your daughter so they're bringing him videotapes of her stevie wonder impersonation yeah somebody is sending her flowers there's a catty bitch backstage who's like no one likes to perform with you you get the flowers <laughs> but who sent the scroll <laughs> i just want to underline if i haven't already how outrageous it is that she gets a scroll as a gift can you imagine like she, people give you weird stuff all the time when you're a celebrity you know you, i've worked in mail rooms i've seen crazy stuff come in for famous people you pick one of those up and you're like changing my life doing it all i'm just going to bangkok i'm leaving behind everything well her mother did die yes she was sick and i guess that was keeping her there but she really didn't want to be a concert pianist i did her mother die because of the weird white makeup they smeared on her face or what was exactly wrong with with this woman judging by the head wrap I'm going some form of cancer. Yeah, Raul Julia disease is what I'm guessing here. She wanted out of this thing lickety split, and who can blame her? But she says that with her mother gone, her world is opened up, so she is going to try to find this scroll. And she does stay in Hong Kong and goes to try to find out about this scroll because she has... An encounter on a subway where a random man is mugged and she doesn't ignore it. 
Right. She doesn't stop the man from being beaten. I don't even know that she helps the man because we see in a news report later that he was brutalized. Like someone videotaped it, <laughs> but nobody really helped him. But she said, hey, and saw that he had a spider web tattoo on his finger. And then she goes to the wise woman downtown. <laughs> How fun would this video game be? Can you imagine? You're just being knocked by janitors in the street into storefronts who tell you to go to and fro. My God, if I thought the movie last week wasn't video game oriented. I mean, this is her wandering around monologuing. Just <laughs> randomly. I get a random scroll and I'm just going to randomly walk around asking people what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> It is beautiful. I mean, I'll, I'll give her that. <laughs> yeah. But the shopkeeper who has like a black widow on her finger. She's, they're all part of this order of the web. How is this not a Spider-Man movie? <laughs> I don't know. I got a web for you. It's called Google. <laughs> You're going to find out more from them than walking shop to shop in Hong Kong. But sure enough, anybody with a spider web on their hand has got some bit of information. And they basically just tell her, you just need to go to Bangkok. It's an Ancient scroll. Ancient. And they, in centuries ago, they said, you, chick, need to go to Bangkok. <laughs> now, I don't know how implicit any of these instructions were, but they don't get into it. Basically, what she's told is go to Bangkok, find Jen. She takes that, apparently, to go to Bangkok live amongst the people on the streets, be homeless. Where was any of that instruction? Why couldn't she just stay at a hotel and look for Jen on a daily basis? One of my favorite scenes of this movie, and there's a lot, yeah, is when she decides she's going to Bangkok. She's met the lady. She goes back to her house. The entire staff is there. All the waiters, the butlers, the maids, and... One by one, Chun-Li is going to them and having this, oh, I'm going to miss you most of all, and <laughs> hugging them. And I'm just thinking those people are like, I need a job now. <laughs> you just fired my ass. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, you could come back at any time. She's not selling the house or anything, but I guess because the mom is dead, she's dismissing them? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they could come along and, like, get you a reservation at the Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she's like, I'll be back. These people are going home. They're not working in the meantime. You think they're just going to sit by the phone and wait for Sean Lee to call? Yeah. And amazingly, even though she goes to Bangkok, with nothing, she has a change of outfit for every scene of this montage. <laughs> You're right. She walks off with a bag smaller than a purse. <laughs> yeah, but she has a Laura Croft outfit and then she has a Neo Matrix outfit. I mean, she's got a look for every occasion. Got a nightclub outfit. Oh, her monologue is truly terrible. I have never heard an amateur audiobook as bad as Kristen Krug's delivery of these lines, but they're also poorly written. I had to forget everything I used to be. I had to lose myself to the pulse of the streets. I had to become one with the people of Bangkok. If you ask me, if I'm going to become one with the people of New York, I'll go to New York. Mm -hmm. I'll get a job. Sure. I'll get a place. Yeah. I'll be among the people. Yeah. And one of them. Right. <laughs> if I am going to be among the people of New York, I'm not going to just go and be the homeless guy <laughs> who pisses himself in a 
stinks on the subway. <laughs> and miraculously, I mean, I have been to Bangkok, and you cannot go two blocks without being soot-colored. I mean, you are dirty in that city. Everything is dirty. There are wild dogs running around. You touch something, you are, like, black all day long. She is pristine in this. She is sleeping, eating off the streets, everything, and yet beautiful, keeps changing her looks, looks like she's had a shower every scene that they cut to. It's absolutely outrageous, particularly that it's all narrated by this silly voiceover. Again, where is the gameplay? Where is the fun in this? Can you imagine it playing a game in which you're just wandering around and listening to this? Every day I looked for Jen. Was she literally just going up to people on the street? Do you know Jen? <laughs> yes. No, but here's an egg roll. And Jen, that's like Jones in Bangkok. I mean, come on. But, okay, so if this is the conceit up to this point that we need to have our character thrust into the streets of Bangkok, fine. Why can't she be getting into some skirmishes with people along the way? She does. There's one scene where she sticks up for an innocent man who's being beat up by a gang. Yes. This is the one time we see a fight with Chun-Li so far. Already? Better than Van Damme's. She's on a street. She's having a fight. She's a street fighter. Win. (laughs) It sure is. But again, this gang, we've never seen them before. Our sins, they have nothing to do with the villain. They're just literally evil gang beating up old person. And she wins and loses at the same time. She beats them and like knocks a bookshelf over on them and then immediately faints. (laughs) I'm like, well... Hmm. That's how she finds Jen. Now, they did cut a scene where she also stopped another crime from happening, but she did it by pickpocketing and deception instead of fighting, so they cut that shit. But she finds Jen. Meanwhile, in parallel, we have Bison. And Bison also, coincidentally, has decided to move his operations to Bangkok in a scene stolen right from Tim Burton's Batman. He brings all the crime lords together, says, I'm taking over. You can like it or be killed. Every single person walks out. One of them calls him puta, but yet bitch is not in any subtitle. There's two versions, rated and unrated. They added a little more blood, but no more cursing. This got to be a PG-13 again, right? Right. The rated is PG-13. Yeah. The unrated is it would have gotten them an R for a little bit more blood. There's literally 47 seconds of difference. I watched both. I got the same experience. Not a good one. But he happens to coincidentally be consolidating in Bangkok with his two henchmen. We already talked about Balrog and also Vega, played by Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. I, okay. I said, is that the Black Eyed Peas guy in my notes? And it actually is. It is the Black Eyed Peas guy. When you can't get Will I Am, because he was doing X-Men Origins Wolverine at this time. Mm-hmm. Or Appleby Apple, whatever his name is. There was a trailer for X-Men Origins Wolverine <laughs> on the Blu-ray for Chun-Li. I'm like, this is not a good sign. But you can't get Fergie. She's in Grindhouse. So you get Taboo. You get the other guy. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You know, the song that they had out about this time, Let's Get Retarded, is pretty darn identifiable with what we're watching so far. Maybe they should have put that in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it could get any more. Yeah. I think it's already gone. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about this master plan now that he's back from Ireland or wherever the hell he was to pick up the brogue, Bison is going to use a shell company to buy up slums and evict the poor 
and build up high rises. This is not illegal. This is gentrification. Yeah, this happens yes. in every city, everywhere, by everyone. I mean, this is the story of a every major city. Why would he need to create some Shadow Esperanza company to do this? I think Shadow Lao is like mafia or Yakuza. You don't want to have the Shadow Lao Corporation, you, the same way you don't want to open Yakuza Incorporated. So he has this company that he runs, but... You're right. What he's doing is legal, except to get the zoning permissions, he has Chun-Li's father Google the addresses of all the members of the board. And I'm like, what board are they talking about? The board is the board of Bangkok. They yes. just are the board of the city. Yeah. There are people in suits that sit in a room with a long table, and that's the board. And what this movie forgets to do, though, is give us the flip side of that so we should care he wants to take over this crumbling ghetto of a neighborhood so he can profit from it yet we're supposed to be against that why they don't tell us about the rich history or this is land that has been these peoples for a millennia or anything it's just they live there even more strange he identifies it as his home he sees a little kid on the street and is like there goes i i'm like well first of all white ass neil mcdonald with the blue eyes and the whitest skin that you can register on film looks nothing like this thai child it's really i mean i'm not wrong right it's very jarring that he keeps saying i'm from this neighborhood right <laughs> yeah at this point we don't know about the missionary whatever i'm like huh what are you talking about but yeah if you're from this neighborhood why are you evicting all of your people why is he not helping them why isn't he building housing for them i just don't understand yeah he says that they should thank him and balrog's like they don't think that i mean balrog sees it <laughs> yeah they should thank him if he actually built them houses but no they're in picket lines because they're being shoved out they have one day to get out of their slum and now the wrecking ball is literally coming tomorrow morning. I love it. I love the train of yellow hummers that is going in and they're like pulling people out of their house. Like, nope, the board says you're out. <laughs> I don't know what this board is. <laughs> and I don't know how Chun-Li's father helped. They said they're going to threaten their children. But, you know, contracts signed under duress aren't legal. Once they get their children back, can't they just come and arrest by this? <laughs> This movie is no more adult than last week's. No. But also, meanwhile, we have Nash and Maya doing their thing. Oh my god, I had no idea what we really needed was David Caruso in Bangkok CSI, but here we are. <laughs> this is incredible. Everything he says is a one-letter. Everything. There's not a single line that he delivers as a human being in this movie. He's either the best or the worst thing about this movie, depending on the way you want to take it. If you are enjoying the fact that this movie is a god-awful train wreck, then he is the sum total of everything that is wrong here. Blowing in, they're literally like, it's a police department in the only other skyscraper in Bangkok. Outside their window is the Esperanza skyscraper, and it takes this guy to like point them and goes, that's the one, you know? Like, Shadow Lao is not a myth. 
<laughs> it's a break dancer, I think. But and not to jump too far ahead, but also the same day that Bison takes over the control of that company, the logo on the building changes immediately. <laughs> I mean, they need help. I'll give you, but I'm not sure they need Chris Klein help. Wait, was the board the board of Esperanzo? And he was taking over their company, and they already owned the slums. I, I don't. <laughs> I've seen this movie three times. I want to add. There was one of the worst. I want to kill whoever came up with the pop-up facts during the movie's bonus feature. I watched this rated. I watched this unrated, and I watched this pop-up video, and I still don't know exactly <laughs> what the fuck is going on yeah <laughs> and the only reason to include these characters is because at some point their story and chun Li is going to intersect that he will have something that she needs and vice versa but for 99 percent of this movie she is lapping them they are following the wrong people hanging out in moonblood's apartment doing nothing like hanging outside of the nightclub and watching the people run out and not finding out what's going on inside. They are completely clueless. And we get such wonderful lines. I mean, he really, truthfully, I've said it a couple times, but you can't understand the level of Caruso impersonation going on here. I'm surprised he doesn't put on a pair of sunglasses after every single line he speaks, because it's like, (laughs) yeah, last supper, and he serves them their own heads. And I just expect to see like sunglasses. Yeah, he's American, right? But he's Interpol. I, it's very convenient. Again, the accents. Just don't even try. And his entrance, though. He gets a grand entrance. Coming up in that sports car, getting out. There's the rap music playing. I mean, it's good rap music. It really is a hell of an entrance. But, I mean, he is greasy. That hair mm. is slicked back like Michael Douglas in Wall Street. He looks like what Chun-Li should look like after a day on the street. But she's got perfect. <laughs> Here. I don't know how this is working out, but he lives in a nice apartment and just doesn't groom, I guess. Oh, yeah. He, he's got a saunter and he's got a five o'clock shadow. So he is our guy, apparently, because this doesn't seem to be made for an American audience, from what I can tell. Is this a character you can play? I thought there might be a Nash. All right. Here's what it is. Remember last movie, there was Charlie Blanca? Yes. The monster, the yes. mutant, the fake Hulk. That was actually a combination of two characters. You had Blanca, the character you could fight, mm-hmm. but then Charlie, the character from Guile's backstory, who he was trying to avenge. Okay. Well, it turns out that Charlie is really Charlie Nash, who you could play in a prequel to Street Fighter 2, also called Street Fighter 2 something. So Charlie Nash is indeed okay. a character, and it's the same character as who turned into Blanca last time, but is not Blanca, if that's not confusing enough. Yeah, well, Chris Klein looks like he's turning into some kind of mutant here. It's scarier hair than what that monster had. Now I want a Chris Klein Blanca makeup. <laughs> And also, Moonblood, Maya, I don't know why they did this, but she is based off of, from Street Fighter 4, the character named Viper. I don't know why they didn't name her Viper here, but everything about her earrings, her motorcycle, it's all Viper stuff, but they named her Maya. I wonder if there was a last minute change in the name and they're like, because they can change that in a game pretty quick. You just change a font, but here... They have to change it. But I realize something now. When I hear the music, when I see the cops, when I see the bad guys, you know what they're doing? It's two things. It's a horrible hybrid. It is like Blanca himself. Some scientists said, we're going to take the genetic material from Batman Begins 
And we're going to make Chun-Li begins the way Bruce Wayne had to be homeless and know what it was like to steal. (laughs) Chun-Li is going to be homeless and know what it's like to get a free egg roll. (laughs) Sure. I mean, I think you're right. Yes, this is where we were in the superheroes was that Batman Begins had been out a couple years and Dark Knight would have been coming out around the same time. They wouldn't have been influenced by it. But yes, clearly they would have been trying to Nolan Universe it. And then the other side is... They're doing the Street Fight and the Furious. The cops, the music, the techno, the underground. I think Jen is supposed to be our, dare I say, Dom Turturro, our Vin Diesel of this movie. Perhaps, you know, it was also a time when they were really running female superheroes and running them aground. But after Kill Bill, there were just a lot of Eon Fluxes and Tomb Raiders. And every woman who won an Oscar was like, God damn it, I am going to go and be a female action hero. And they just weren't succeeding, but they were making a whole lot of them. I feel like that would have been an influence on this as well. They very clearly, it's Chun-Li's movie. It's worth pointing out that Nash and Moonblood and anyone else... They're just bit players. I don't even think Bison gets a fight in here other than punching a woman. We'll talk about it in a minute. But he gets no real street fighter video game kind of fight. This is mostly to showcase the Chun-Li character and what she can do hanging out with Jen. Yeah, Jen is truly outrageous. He's going to teach her the way to shoot magic balls of energy. Yeah, the last dragon had the glow. This is the glob. (laughs) (laughs) You just want a big old glowing glob to just bounce around. Uh, This is After Effects 101. This is lesson number two on a YouTube video for how to spin an effect over a moving video. It's... How did they look at this and think this was passable as a special effect is beyond me. Yeah, last week they had 35 million and they didn't want to do any special effect shots. This week they got, what, a buck 95 and some street vendors and they think, oh yeah, we can do everything that they do in the video game. But yeah, I guess you do it because that was sorely missed last week. We wanted the fights to have super magical moments. You know, her move, I recall it very well, is that that leg kick, you know, where she can just kind of have a flying kick and her thighs are huge and she just can beat the hell out of you until she is just oscillating with an aura. Yeah, because 80-pound Kristen Krook is going to do that to me. And I didn't know this. There's something in the beginning of this movie where her father gives her a necklace of the spinning bird. I'm like, it's going to mean something. It's going to be a clue somewhere. Turns out, well, first of all, there were deleted scenes that kind of harked back to it, but it's also a reference that kick you know of hers is called the spinning bird kick. Yeah, I feel like that was partial setup for her move, but yeah, it's not really well demonstrated here. But then again, nothing is very well demonstrated here. Right, this whole movie is as you know, Arnie was pointing out is taking from other movies here and there. It's just trying to hit so many different notes without any idea of where it's trying to go or what sound it's trying to make. So it's just trying to take a little bit from here. That was cool from Batman. That was cool from here. That was cool from over there. Let's see what sticks. We love the scene in Star Wars where Luke was blindfolded and fighting the remote. So let's do that. Let's throw ball bearings at Chun-Li with a blindfold on where she almost falls into a buzzsaw. Yeah. Uh. And Jen is just, I think he's actually worse than she is. I mean, there's just something, it's the fake hair, and he's supposed to be teaching her something, but other than, yeah, nearly driving her face into a buzzsaw, I just don't see a whole lot is transpiring between them. The only useful thing that he does, and it's a howler, is to tell that backstory. 
The other thing is, he gives some fortune cookie training bullshit, like, only in the dark do all colors become one. It's like, what the f*** yeah. are you doing? Oh. Yeah, every platitude you've ever read in a fortune cookie was said in that training montage. Yeah, again, that is not helpful to have a character spinning that kind of garbage. I need, at this point, someone to take control and give focus, and instead, I feel like they're wasting time on the roof. And he says that he knows Bison, that they grew up together. Yes. Where? Where is that happening? On um, these streets, apparently they're the same age. But we saw the orphanage. Did he pick the baby out of the bassinet and feed it? <laughs> I think maybe they were in the orphanage together. During their street tough days, they do make it clear that they were both part of the same gang that became Bison's gang eventually. When you say make it clear, they have a line of dialogue. But when we see the flashbacks, <laughs> I never see a young Jin and a young Bison together at all. I mean, isn't that just obvious that you would do that? He was just out of frame stealing the other fish. <laughs> You're right. He was getting the hush puppy. <laughs> I get it now. What a criminal mind. But something we haven't talked about, but is important to this plot, <laughs> is that when our bison came back, and I don't know how Jin would know this, maybe he was hanging out in the cave, but this guy was getting married to a white woman in a white dress with a white rose on it, and she's pregnant, no less. She's pregnant on her wedding day. He takes her into a bat cave <laughs> and rips out the baby because it's his conscience. No, he's transferring what little goodness is in him into the baby so he has no goodness left which is why his blue eyes turn black what goodness did he have you know what he really did is he took the last of his dignity neil mcdonough whatever you got out of your early work now have you seen i know who killed me it's already gone <laughs> but i remember ravenous i remember minority report i remember when he wasn't a joke but this is i yeah i just do not know how you go beyond this this is the scene that would have made me i mean i would have turned it off long ago i never would have turned it on but this was the scene where i actively wanted to get away from this film so they want to research his plot they know everything that's going on and in fact all the crime that chun li's been seeing all crime with no punishment is stuff the bison made happen to lower property values Really? He's behind everything? He's behind everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, but I guess, yeah, they're trying to say Jin at the same time as the head of this Order of the Web. Any good deed is also being done by, globally, I suppose, in Hong Kong at least, and here, they're all acting on his behest. So really, good and evil is really Jin and Bison. But the Order of the Web is this ragtag group of really old people, mm. street sweepers, yes. and... Old ladies who sell egg rolls mm -hmm. and ladies who read old scrolls. Right. There's no fighters other than Jen. Right. At no point does he call in the Order of the Web to go fight. <laughs> it's him and Chun-Li. It's like, do you want to join my club I just started? I did this many times in high school. Hey, you want to join my band? We're the first members. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Capcom is not coming to these filmmakers and saying you must put the latest characters in your film. I mean, the mandate last week was 16 and here is Jen even a fighter? I remember an old guy that you could play that was a fighter, but... Yes, Jen is a fighter. Later day, though, not from the 94 releases. But we got Bison, who really isn't doing much fighting. We got Balrog. We got Chun-Li. What about this lesbian? Is Cantana... <laughs> 
Is she a fighter? <laughs> no, I, I thought she was, but it turns out I was thinking of Katana from Mortal Kombat. Mm, this right. is Cantana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is just a name to make it sound like somebody who might be in a game, but nope, she's just as disposable as the character would seem to be. Yeah, here's the video game characters we have, though. Chun-Li, Bison, Charlie Nash, yeah. Balrog, yeah. Maya, only she's Maybe. called Viper. Yeah, whatever that is. Jen, Vega. Oh, I keep forgetting about that. How could you? His mask was four times too big for his head. <laughs> it really was. It's really pathetic. It's like they made the mask and then cast Taboo. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, well, we expected a big guy to play it, but just put this on. It looks like the mask from Jason X. <laughs> and then Rose is actually a playable character in the game, but it's oh. not Bison's daughter. Oh my god. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Alright, so there's the ties to the video games. But you're right. They're filling all the details because the video game doesn't give you a story. They're filling it in and plugging it all in with movie moments. They're filling this up with well, you remember Basic Instinct when the lesbian scene happens at the nightclub, except it ends up Rami and Michelle here. I mean, this <laughs> dance scene on the club is hysterical. Oh my God, that Kristen Krug is wearing this weird blue shapeless garbage bag on her body. And then she's going to come down from a balcony and start dancing alone spastically. Hey, and I'm... that's going to draw out of this entire club full of hotties and strippers. Right. The lesbian's going after the blue garbage bag girl. <laughs> yeah. The middle-aged clerical worker looking lady. Yeah. Who's apparently she's getting her hair done by the same person who's doing Klein's hair in the morning because it's both just straight back with some gel and let's forget it. Both of them have their hair straight back. Maybe that's the lesbian look in Bangkok in the late aughts. <laughs> Although I do love Cantana's bodyguards porn stash. I mean, what is there is some fashion, but no, when Kruk is breaking the fourth wall and like looking at us quote-unquote seductively, she actually just looks mildly annoyed with the audience for coming to see her movie. And when she gives that look back as she's going up the stairs and cocks her head, she turns around, she looks pissed. Is this take 81? What the hell's going on? That was her trying to be seductive, Arnie. Oh my god. Honestly, Kristen Kruk is probably the funniest person around. Why isn't she doing sitcoms? Because if this is her idea of seduction, she is just pratfalling all over the place in real life. Yeah, I don't know what the character is supposed to be doing. She knows at this point, because she's been eavesdropping on Balrog, that there is a white rose coming. And because this woman helped engineer the real estate deal, I guess she thinks that dragging her into the stalls of the women's room, she's going to get more answers out. I want to know what nightclub has bathrooms this big. Every nightclub I've been to is like two stalls, two urinals. So the women's room maybe has three stalls. There you go. There's no line is what surprises me. There's no line for the women's room. I don't, maybe this is a secret bathroom. But yeah, it's huge. And, you know, guys, we make do with two stalls. Sometimes it's just a sink. Everyone sits <laughs> in it. But yeah, women, you know, they, they had to make it this nice posh thing. And we needed a fight scene. Let's face it. At this point, this movie is begging screaming for us to see Chun-Li go against someone that is her equal. But why not somebody from the game? Why Cantana? And I don't know how modest Kristen Krug is, but we get to see Cantana has garters on and things. Kristen Krug is literally wearing a pair of biker shorts exactly the same color as her dress. So every time she does a flip, we don't see above the knee. I mean, that's practically Amish. <laughs> yeah, there's 
there's something weird going on here because they never really call her Chun Li. They always call her the schoolgirl. So, like, I wonder if they kind of had to make a decision there. It's like, well, we can't really overtly sexualize this one we're calling a schoolgirl. Because, I mean, tell me how old she is. She could be 17 here. She could be 38. Agreed. 26. Oh, okay. Right down the middle. Sure. So... I didn't want to get too anatomical here, but during all of this fighting, at some point, some money clip pops out from somewhere. It's on the garter. It's oh, on the garter. okay. That's not, I'll just leave it at, that's not where I thought it came out. And I just didn't know why we needed to know that. Like carry a purse, clearly. Can we talk a little bit about the sound design in these fights? Every hit breaks a bone or cartilage. Like, that's all I could notice. Every time, like, they grab somebody, it's like... It's like, okay, how are you going to fight back now? That arm is broken in half. Oh, no, you still can use it? Okay, great. (laughs) I thought the same thing, because she gets Katana's arm behind her back, and we hear crack, and I'm like, okay, you broke her arm. Then Katana fights some more. She gets her hand through some porthole in this art design bathroom crack again i'm like so did you just break her arm through the hole i have no idea what the hell and what about these bodyguards cantana brought where are they it turns out there is a deleted scene where the bodyguards come in and this fight is extended further they're like enough why would you cut the fight scenes all right that is really ridiculous are they that bad literally because they'd like ripped a pipe off and the floor was wet the bodyguards came in and Chun Li grabbed something off the wall, like an electric mirror, threw it on the ground, electrocuted them, and ran on the sink and flipped out. It was a few seconds, but keep it in. I mean, why cut the? What they did cut is all starting about now. They cut. A, thank God, a ton of Chris Klein, Kristen Krug scenes. Wow. Wait, oh, together. <laughs> yes. Oh well, that no. You know what? I feel like they needed to have some relationship because again, they spend most of this movie having no idea of each other. That Chris Klein barges into this club and she runs out the back, up the you know roofs, and handing out the money clip to random homeless women. We need to at some point have them talk to one another, but he just continuously goes back and talks to Maya. I guess the editor saw what we saw in Klein and paired him to the bone because there was a subplot in certain scenes that were trimmed where he had a family too. Bison killed his daughter. Oh, no. She okay. would have been six. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we do not need a backstory for him. God knows. As it stands, though, we do get the precious moment of... <laughs> Of Chun Li just showing up at Nash's apartment when he had just poured himself a stiff drink. <laughs> at the very end. I mean, again, right. it, it's like out of left field when she finally shows up and says she needs his help. I'm like, I do not know why he has done nothing that is helpful. But just to put a capper on the lesbian, can I say <laughs> that it goes from being silly to just kind of ugly? Chun Li kicked her around, knocked her through some sinks, but that was it. Bison is going to string her up and beat her dead? Yeah. That is ugly. Well, she gave up information. I mean, snitches get stitches. If you give big information, I could see getting killed. I really could. Now, again, the actor in the commentary said because Cantana was so important to him, they were so close, he had to do the honor of beating her to death personally. Okay. But the tone here is yes. just something that keeps popping up. That's, I mean, I forgot 
at the beginning of this movie where you look at a truckload full of decapitated heads. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this was kind of gritty. And then it's kind of PG, PG-13 for most of it. And then Bison is snapping a woman's neck and blood is splattering all over his face. It's like, oh, yeah, that is happening in this movie. It's once again, they're just grabbing at notes, seeing what sounds good. We're away from Morphin. I think we can finally say that there is no place for the Turtles and Mighty Morphin audience here. This is not pre-adolescence. This may be teenage. It's 13 and above, sounds right. But yeah, there are two tones here. They could either have a more serious story or they could have, yeah, more video game goofiness fighting. The fight in the bathroom felt like a Kill Bill moment, done badly, but Kill Bill. And then, yeah, this death scene felt like it was from a much more stark, gritty film than is earned. Yeah, decapitated heads and women being tied up and beaten don't have the same kind of cachet as the bum fight that Kristen Krug gets into. (laughs) But we keep hearing now, two things have happened. Balrog, in addition to being a bodyguard, is also like the attache, and he's saying... Well, we've lost the schoolgirl, but we'll find her. But the rose is coming. What could the white rose be? Very quickly, we're going to find that backstory that we've already talked about, thanks to Gen. And, of course, as soon as I see that, I'm like, okay, the white rose is the daughter. Of course it is. The white girl, Rose. Yeah, (laughs) her name's Rose. She's white. Uh, Here's what I don't understand is where did she ever go? After he ripped off the baby, he like shipped it to Minsk or wherever he sent her, Reminsk. And he's just now bringing her back because he's decided this is my new home. Let's bring my daughter here. Yeah, he couldn't have her in Shadalau prior to that until he had cut off the heads of every enemy. Admittedly, his MO is to use family against his enemies, so maybe he just assumed that they would do the same to him and use his daughter against him. But might I point out that it really is not fair, because you want an enemy who's powerful. You want a bad guy that you're like, oh my god, how will they ever defeat him? They're catching him at the weakest possible moment. His daughter's coming home. All he wants to do is build some condos and meet his daughter. Yeah. (laughs) They're attacking from two sides. The order of the web and the cops are just slamming down on him. Meanwhile, the cops have gone out of business. They had to move out of their offices because... I think they literally ran out of money on the production. Yeah. It would explain the abruptness of it. There were other scenes with Klein and the cops going to investigate stuff, and it was dead ends, and... God. Yeah, why have them relevant in the plot at all? (laughs) It really is just not good. But Chun-Li's the one who's doing all the investigating, and she tortures some guy to find out the White Rose is coming in on a boat at midnight, but it's a trap. And I didn't understand that it was a trap. I'm like... All of a sudden, she's just somewhere. They're not even giving us an establishing shot that she's at a shipyard. She's just crawling through wires, and now she's being attacked. And I'm like, what did I miss? Did my disc skip? I literally rewound to play it again. And I'm like, I guess this is the shipyard later. Like 10 minutes or 15 minutes later, she's like, you set me up. I'm like, why couldn't we have established that in the moment instead of me just sitting here head scratching? Yeah, okay. I just assumed that I nodded off for a few seconds. but (laughs) Who could blame you? (laughs) Yeah. Legitimately, I started watching this movie at 11 o'clock at night. 30 minutes in, I'm like, I can't do it. I came back the next day and started over at a much earlier time. 
Yeah, I started at eight and I had the same experience. I broke it up in two days because it's just too much. Even though this movie is barely 90 minutes, it's really brutalizing. It's pulverizing because you have to keep rewinding to figure out what's going on. If I could just let it roll off of me, that'd be one thing. But I have to sit here and talk about what I'm not understanding. So you just keep rewatching things and keep going, wait, what? With the baby and huh? And there's not a lot of reward. Surprise, surprise. Asking why is not going to give you a whole lot. You're not going to get more from the second time you watch it than the first. I'll agree. After my first time watching this, I felt like Cantana. I felt like I had just been pummeled to death by Neil McDonough. And I had to watch this three times. Yeah, that's (laughs) awful. But the point of the matter is, if it's the backstory of Chun-Li that was established in the video game, her father must die. They could have done that in the opening, honestly. That They took him captive and had him do Google searches randomly. It's really <laughs> stupid. They probably should have just killed him in the opening, but they instead decide that it's more of what they should do right before the climax. this movie. Okay, this movie. this movie. Because, all right. So her dad has been held in fucking Bangkok this whole goddamn time. Right. But she goes to Bangkok because of a scroll. Right. Not knowing that her dad is there. Correct. Not knowing that this guy is there. Right. This not- guy moves his organization to Bangkok. Is Jen moving all these pieces? We never really get that either. No. And Interpol just happens to show up at the same time. This movie. Yeah, it's an outrageous series of coincidences that she is not chasing her father's murderer or her father's kidnapper, but got a crazy scroll that just so happens to bring her to the same city where he's being held is beyond stupid. And it's not even like the scroll says, you're going to find about your father. What it says is, go to Bangkok. Why? Because, hey, enough getting flowers and playing the piano let's go be homeless i mean (laughs) jesus christ your mom's dead here's a scroll she's got to learn the glob come on i mean (laughs) you've got the glob (laughs) you've got the power she almost has it here she's tied up in a chair and she does some kind of acrobatics to right herself from being upside down and she kicks a few guys after her dad is dead but this fight scene is mostly about throwing fruit like at the end of the day she ends up on the street and it's the street vendors that come to her rescue i do love that scene where balrog is going to shoot her but a kid is running into the path of the bullet chun lee takes the bullet and so all the people start throwing fruit at balrog (laughs) i think that's literally the filmmakers are like they're gonna be throwing tomatoes at the screen like it's 1917 (laughs) let's just put more fruit up there so they think it's a 3d experience (laughs) yeah if i had fruit to throw my tv would be coated in it but also balrog killed jen he pulled out a bazooka from a parking garage somehow and i didn't see a deleted scene about this maybe they used chun lee's father's google powers but they know where jen lives now more annoyingly jen knows that they're coming to kill him and sends chun lee away to go get groceries so that she's walking up with a bag as the building's exploding yeah who's going to believe that he's dead no this is all so that we can have that mid-act i've lost everything my father's dead my mentor's dead the fruits all broken all right i actually thought jen was dead what come on i thought it was the obi-wan you kill uncle owen and aunt Beru, and then you kill obi-wan and chun li has to step up the fact that they don't kill jen undermines chun li's evolution right and 
not to mention, she sheds way more of a tear for, over this guy that she just met last week's death than she did for her poor mother. Or father. Yeah, her father, she got upset, but man. Yeah, because when she was captured, she gets to be reunited with her dad just so Bison can crush his skull in front of her. But what happens when you need to look up an address now, Bison? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's got it all worked out now. He he learned the internets. <laughs> he got all the permits he needed. He's he's good to go now. Right. So climax, I suppose. So we're back to the white rose is coming. And again, Chun Li literally runs onto a boat, sees a white girl named Rose, and keeps going. Like doesn't <laughs> stop, doesn't even say come with me or what's going on. By the way, in case you were trying to think about Electra, here's the treasure. Yeah, exactly. I'm the treasure now. And so it's for Bison to take her by helicopter back to his house. They can't give him this? I guess they can't. He's, you know, he killed her father. But I just feel like this is strange to watch everyone come together as a SWAT team to murder a man in front of his daughter. There is a lot of stupid things in this movie, given. The stupidest thing this movie does is Bison has his daughter in her room. Here you go. I'm glad you're home. This is great. We're going to live happily ever after. He walks out of the room, tells the guy, hey, if anything happens to her, I'll kill you myself. And he walks away to go to his office. Like he sensed that Jen was there or something. Maybe. I don't know that he was going to his office for any good reason. But the minute he gets done with Jen, he goes directly back to the room. It's like, why did he ever leave the room? And Jen is waiting. Jen, who he defeated, or at least threw into a coffee table, is waiting for him in the room when he gets there. It's Yes. It's beyond crazy. But they're also struggling with just like, if this guy's so rich, why doesn't he have more guards? He's like, nothing better happened to my daughter. Maybe you need to have two guys looking after her. Three? Hey, if my boss told me if something happens, I'm killing you first, I quit too. <laughs> that is not a good team building strategy for any prospective middle management out there. Yeah. And yes, we want Bison to be defeated. But do we really want his impressionable? I'm not even sure if she could. She did speak once, right? Yeah, she's not mute. But she seems touched in some way. And the fact that she's going to watch her father's head be almost twisted off his body and thrown off a scaffolding feels brutal and not heroic. There was a cutscene at the end where Rose's eyes glow red, so it's implying that in the sequel, she'll avenge her father the way Chun-Li avenged Chun-Li's father here. I feel like that should happen here. I feel like Chun-Li should fight Rose, and Jen should fight Bison. But if all of Bison's goodness went into Rose, wouldn't Rose be good incarnate? Don't even do that. Drop that line. That was one line. We wouldn't even understand that Rose... I just do not even know why you had the, I gutted your mother so that I could <laughs> send you to some crazy city where you could grow up much like I did in a crib with no one feeding you or changing your diaper and now I brought you back via boat. Did you steal fish just like daddy? <laughs> I do not know but you don't even do that. You have for reasons that we can contrive that Bison has a daughter too and that she is the ultimate evil and that Chun has to go against her feels right. That's the battle I would want to see and Jen can kick the ass of Bison. Instead, Jin just kills Balra. Yeah, and does that in quite a vicious fashion. I mean, sticks that steaming pipe through his chest? I thought that was a little bit violent for this movie. Yeah, his skin ripples off and yikes. It would be more impressive if it didn't look so cheap. But again, the CGI work in this is just atrocious. 
it's appropriate for an $18 million film at the time. But the fact that Jen first fights Bison and then Chun-Li comes up with a bamboo stick to fight Bison, I'll give it this. I did not expect Neil McDonough to pull off a fight this well. I didn't think he could do it. He holds his own. He is as good as Kristen Crook as far as the fighting goes. Yeah, no, I've seen him be physical. I mean, he's actually usually a very fit and active guy. He could do what is required of this movie. But again, is this the fight we wanted to see? But she finally uses the glob. That's how she (laughs) wins the fight. You know, it seems like he might actually beat her ass. Until all of a sudden, I mean, she kind of cheats, but she (laughs) pulls out a glob and throws him over the side of the building. It's not heroic. It's not that she cheated. It wasn't even her idea. Her cheat knob had to tell her. You know, Jen had to be like, you know what to do. Like, oh, yeah, a special move we've been training all movie for. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, boy. She finishes him with, like, going down and using her legs to totally twist his head around. Exorcist style. It's (laughs) facing the other way at the end of this. Extra violent. Again, there are just these touches. This movie is mostly properly rated at PG-13, but there are these weird violent touches that feel incongruous with the sort of middling action movie we've been watching for most of it. And then what is Nash's reaction as he runs up to find the scene? Nice job! (laughs) Oh my god, he's been flying in a helicopter, and not once but twice he goes, Nash out! (laughs) (laughs) Is that such a good line there, Klein, that you gotta double down on Nash out? (laughs) And then we're back to Chun-Li being some sort of Batman again all of a sudden. It's like, well, here come the cops, you better get out of here. Yeah. Why? What exactly did she do that... I I mean, she murdered a... Well, yeah, she murdered a guy who's a businessman, apparently. (laughs) She murdered quite a few people. I mean, Balrog's dead, and Vega, she killed him. But she's not returning to her piano career. I don't know what she's... You're right, she's going home to get a nap. That Jen will actually come to her and be like, hey, do you want to create a Marvel universe where we just keep going movie after movie and finding new Street Fighter characters to assemble? No. (laughs) This is really bad and embarrassing. And yeah, I don't have anything else lined up. They're never going to give me another movie. But no, I think I'm just going to hang out in this house that used to have servants that I sent away. Can you also explain to me what's going on in this scene? Is she moving in, moving out? Like, what is the moving truck with all the boxes doing there? I think she's literally squatting in her own house. (laughs) She got so used to being homeless that she likes it now. Why shower? Why have electricity? But where was her possessions? That's where she left everything and came back to. What are the boxes filled with? Scrolls. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. Yes. Yeah, you are so right. Why set up another movie that she's going to refuse to even entertain the idea of being in? Because she saw the same movie that I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin Stewart, do you recommend Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Lee? <laughs> Justin. I love this movie. said no one ever i mean i hate to be a third grader about it but this is just stupid there's nothing here to cling on to for a fan of the game franchise or even if you were a fan of the movie that came 15 years before this that actually put a little bit of effort into making it look like a video game this could have been any dumb action movie didn't need to put any of these people's names in here it has nothing to do with street fighter or street fighter lore 
at all. So from the standpoint of it being a Street Fighter movie, eh. So if I'm looking at it as just something to watch, uh, I guess the best thing I can say is I'm glad it was less than an hour and a half long. It's a hard slog to get through. And you know what? I'm going to just gnash out on this. I'm done. <laughs> Stuart. Yeah, I might be done forever. Honestly, why did we do this video game? If I had known that the first four movies would be this horrendous, I would not have agreed to do this series. This agreed. Is, it was your idea. I Stop it. I didn't want that. I, <laughs> I, I just don't want people to think Arnie forces <laughs> upon you. I thought it was something that could fill up the time, and now it just fills up the toilet. I mean, this is some of the worst movies we've ever watched in rapid succession, and no sooner than I go, this is the worst, then here this comes slamming in your face. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. I'm afraid to turn on the next film. It's so bad. This is so bad. It's not fair that these movies are so horrible. It's like Mangler 3 every week. I can't do it no more. But because I want to see the movie next week, it'll give me some time to come down. And then hopefully whatever comes next. What is it? Tomb Raider? That can't be too bad. I mean, I haven't seen it, but it can't be this bad. These are, again, when you ask me some of the worst things we've ever seen, it's been 2018. It's pretty much what it's coming down to. This is horrible. Horrible, horrible filmmaking. I don't know what's worse. Is this the worst one? Is Double Dragon? Is Super Mario? I can't tell you. But when Van Damme is your hero, you know how bad it's gotten. Stuart, the game plan all along was to get you to have a higher appreciation for Marvel movies. Yeah, no, I mean, it really does re, yeah, it reframes <laughs> most films. Even Stephen King is looking better. <laughs> can't wait for that Tommy Knockers movie now. <laughs> you know, my sister said something once that, and I normally don't think she's got a brain in her head, but one thing she said made sense is that having a child hurts a lot. And when you have one right after you give birth, you're like, I'm never going to do that again. But over time, you forget the pain. And by the time you've forgotten the pain enough, then you're like, you know, it wasn't so bad. I'll have another child. I think that's where you're at, Stuart, is you just gave birth to Chun-Li and you're forgetting the pain of things like that long run of Children of the Corn mm. and the RoboCop Prime Directives and yeah. Mangler 3. I honestly don't think that this is truly the worst stuff we've ever covered. It's just, it's like... The button you kept mashing when you were playing me in Street Fighter, it's a lot of slaps. They're just slaps. They're not punches, but it's a hundred slaps in very quick succession, so it hurts. It's abusive. It really is. I mean, I have to... King of Kong feels like it was centuries ago, but I hold on to that. At least there's been one good movie in this arcade <laughs> so far. One really good film, but god damn. It wasn't worth it to go through this. Yeah, with the birthing analogy there, what we got was a couple Irish twins here with 
Street Fighter and Chun Li back to back like that. Yeah, and 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 you throw Mario and Double Dragon, and you just God, it is a terrible marathon, and it is definitely a not recommend. And while there is a lot of laugh material in this movie, I think we've pointed that out. It truthfully is not Brown Arrowable either, because I wouldn't inflict this upon anyone. I literally would rather have if somebody said to me, "Listen." I can do Chun Li's spinning bird kick. I will kick you nine times in the face very quickly, or you can sit through this movie for ninety minutes. I'd have to think about it. Mm-hmm. If it was a punch in the stomach, I'd definitely take the punch in the stomach because that wouldn't be disfiguring. So, yeah, this movie is truly painful, and it doesn't even do what I felt like Kristen Krug did best. Her best role ever in anything I've ever seen her in was her minor role in Euro Trip, where she plays ho-ish Fiona. I thought she played ho-ho really well, but she is terrible in here. Everybody's terrible in here. Everybody walks away from this looking worse. It is not good for anybody. Mankind. (laughs) (laughs) And mankind, you mean the wrestler, right? (laughs) No, I just mean humanity. (laughs) The fish in this movie ought to be embarrassed. Taboo never should have taken off the mask and been like, no, it's another guy, Apple Dap or whatever the fourth black IP is. Yeah, we didn't even bring him up, but that was like a Wolverine costume that is so sad. You, you think at the Fox lot, he and Will I Am are together like, shit, man, which one of us is on the worst picture? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fergie's got her hit solo album. Yeah, like, she was in Poseidon. She can't brag too much. I'm going to focus on some positives now. This wow. movie's a strong not recommend. Yes. But this retrospective has reminded me how much I love the Street Fighter games. And I'm going to keep playing the Street Fighter games after this retrospective is done. Justin and I are going to get together online and play. Some other friends are going to get on the PSN and play the Street Fighter Five. I've got... These games are a lot of fun. They're just shit movies, but the games still rock. And we're not covering it, but there is another live-action Street Fighter movie. What? Uh uh No, we're not covering it. I don't care what it is. It is called Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. And I love that because their website is (laughs) streetfighteraf.com. It is Street Fighters. (laughs) Now, this is an interesting story. A couple of guys that I don't really know from anything got a hundred bucks together and did this proof of concept with some martial artist actors, friends of theirs, and said, look, we could make a good Street Fighter film. And it was Ryu versus Ken. It became a big hit. I've seen this. Yeah. Capcom then said, you know what? We're going to let you guys go do this. <laughs> it's a fan film that is better than the $40 million movie that they made. So they did a Kickstarter, and then they canceled the Kickstarter because a private investor came in and completely funded them to do this. And it was released for free. It was 12 webisodes. But then that was edited into six TV episodes that aired in Japan. And it then was finally edited into a two and a half hour movie. And it is truthfully the single best Street Fighter adaptation ever. It has a very small cast, but it is Ken and Ryu with their master. And then it also flashes back to their master and his brother, 
with their previous master. It discusses, like I mentioned previously, Ryu's flirting with the darkness and their master's brother turns into Akuma. You don't have Chun-Li. You don't have Guile. You literally have like four characters out in the wilderness. Street Fighter becomes Field Fighter. I'm not going to say this is a strong recommend. <laughs> I mean, it does have its lag points. It's two and a half hours long. I think that's a little too long. And it feels like cheap television. I mean, it didn't have the greatest <laughs> production values. This crappy fan film is so much better than what we're watching. But I'll give it a recommend. I really will give it a recommend. Okay. All right. Well, that counts for something. I gave it three stars. That's not even a weak recommend. It's like just a fledgling recommend. I'd love to see a two-star movie at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So, yeah, (laughs) this is, I thought, a three-star movie. It's definitely worth seeking out if you want to see. Here's how good it was. It was so good. It was 1 a.m. I'm like, I want more of this. Even though it was only three stars, I'm like, this is better than anything. And I found out they did a sequel to it. It is called Street Fighter Resurrection. And it was streaming free on Prime. Okay. Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, just minor spoiler, ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger. So I'm like, I really want to know what happens next. I've devoted two and a half hours to this. I want to know. It was only four episodes, about 12 minutes each. I'm like, I can do that even though it's middle of the night. Oh, man. They screwed it up. They decided to try to go bigger and bring in Bison. Sure. And bring in Nash. And Nash was like this weird cyborg. And it just... Too many cooks. Remember the TV series Nightman? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like that. Okay. It uh. was really cheap 90s syndication level. I was so disappointed in Resurrection. But Street Fighter as f- go watch it. And uh, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I got the disc alone, yeah. At least watch the trailer. The teaser trailer is worthwhile. It's worth asking at this point, why are they failing? My take on it is that they are not understanding what's fun about the game, and thus they are not writing that into the story. It seems to be that they do not understand the entertainment value of the properties they have. In all cases, Super Mario, Double Dragon, Street Fighter, I've enjoyed playing those games, and nothing about what I enjoyed ever ends up on screen. Two movies, not a single Hadouken! You know, just once, somewhere in the background. You know, make it a Wilhelm. But get it in there. Yeah, that is where the Street Fighter Assassin's Fist is better, is it's all about the Hadouken and all about learning the power to do those special moves and bringing it in. It embraces the magic instead of fleeing from the magic. Mm -hmm. You know what, though? Here's the thing is we've done four in a row because we're going in order of the way the games came out. Yep. While I don't say that there's a lot of gems in our future... At this point, Chun-Li is an outlier because that came out in 2009. That came out after two Tomb Raiders. It came out after two Mortal Kombats. There were successful, profitable video game movies that were then sequeled because they were audience hits. They were financial hits. But yeah, Chun-Li just really feels like nobody cared. It really feels kind of like Daredevil and Electra, where there's no confidence in the property, so they don't give it the money to get the talent it needs, and so you're left with basically not much more than the fan film had, trying to put together 
an effects extravaganza the same way Daredevil didn't have enough money, Elektra didn't have enough money, Ghost Rider didn't have enough money, and everything that came out of those were turds, and they were all released in February, and it is telling that the producers of this film would go on to do Ghost Rider 2 Spirit of Vengeance. Uh. But, you know what? We're going to take a break, we're going to do Black Panther, Whew. and then we're going to see a 2001 hit, Laura Croft Tomb Raider. We'll see if it's recommendable, but it was successful. I have to believe whatever my grievance about it is. And you know, I've eaten these words before. I think I said it last week. It's got to be better than what we've seen. I still think, Stuart, you need an inoculation because we haven't even touched you, Ebola. <laughs> Send me a scroll. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I want to just start calling him Ebola. <laughs> You think these are bad? Just remember, we watched House of the Dead together. Yeah, that's you can't. Yeah, you you reminding me of what's to come is not helping your case. Yeah, so far we've dealt with incompetence. Now we're gonna add ego on top of that pretty soon. So strap in. All right. Well, Black Panther, I'm excited for. So there's at least something on the horizon. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Black Panther. Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2. Wait, you jumped two months. I know, I'm just talking about all the <laughs> A lot to look forward to. We got Black Panther and then two months of hell. I want to see Ready Player One. Yeah, Ready Player One. Would it make you happy if we reviewed some Godfather films in the next few months? Well, in two months, yes. Okay. I mean, they're, they are coming. <laughs> But that does conclude with Godfather 3, yeah, so... Yeah, you know, it comes at a cost. But I do feel like, just looking at this franchise, looking at the arcade now, five movies in, and I just can't believe that we have to go through dozens more. If it's going to be like this, I don't know how I can do it. I mean, and I complained about all those Marvel films, and Reb Brown is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I will echo Arnie's sentiments that while the movies were not fun to sit through, it has brought back an excuse to dust off those old games and play that. There's not been one movie of a video game that I wouldn't have appreciated seeing someone play that video game more than watching the movie at this point. <laughs> yes, what you just described is something I'd rather see than Legend of Chun-Li ever again. <laughs> And, you know, I've dusted off some old action figures that I've had over the years of Street Fighter guys. Who's your guy, by the way? Who would you play if you could sit down right now? Who would you pick? I go with Guile and Blanca are my two go-tos. Okay. I go with Dalsum and Chun-Li. Okay. I'm sticking with Honda. Yeah. And then <laughs> one button. Yeah, whatever. I kicked your ass. You did not. It was pretty even. It was not. You were defeated <laughs> by e sorely, but over embarrassingly. <laughs> over the course of the evening, we were there was no decisive victory. <laughs> and the same thing with Justin and I. We we each won some, we each lost some. Yeah, we evened out. I feel like I had a little bit of advantage on Street Fighter. You had a little advantage on the Capcom Marvel. Yeah, that is the best thing to come out of all of this, is getting to play Marvel vs. Capcom, where it's Street Fighter characters against superheroes. Oh, yeah. Which is the perfect segue, because this week we had Capcom, next week we have Marvel. We're going to theaters, we're going to Black Panther, I'm going to New York, I'm going to actually watch that movie in Times Square, and record my review from Manhattan. Wakanda by way of New York. So we will be back next week with that... Justin Stewart, thank you for sticking with me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Till next week, game over.
Then defeat is a possibility. Very well. We shall face it together, DJ, with the stoicism of the true warrior. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. That was beautiful. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. We're coming! We're coming! Charlie! Charlie! Hang on, buddy. We're coming! We're coming! And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, Double Dragon, Super Mario Brothers, The Wizard, and more. I couldn't help feeling like I was being led somewhere new. Was this mysterious scroll a message? I had to find out. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. You have made me a happy man. Next, I'll make you a dead one. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. The world thought very little of you, my dear guests. Too little to pay the pittance I asked for. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. As the AN deposited the 20 billion in my Swiss bank. Hell no dinner. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Show your loyalty to me right now, and we'll have no problems. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I don't have any money. Should try hawking those gold handcuffs. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. When people are hungry, there's nothing they won't do. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss these movies and games with other listeners. But don't you want to speak to the world audience? No, but I do want to talk to someone. That bastard bison! If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, underrated movies we recommend get reviews of 125 films our hosts love you can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. tell you what after i've crushed my enemies we'll see about getting you published you can follow now playing on facebook and twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I'm giving you a chance to join us, to become part of the web, to fight for something far greater than yourself. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Come here, prepare to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? 
Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. Oh my, I should have stayed at Microsoft. Now Playing credits read by Brock. You will choke on those words anytime, dickhead. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. We need safe passage and no damn customs. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Because there are enemy spies everywhere among us, General. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. charismatic i love michael clark duncan in everything we gotta get to green mile someday and i'll see if that's actually true i remember thinking that was unfortunate he got an oscar nomination out of it yeah